The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues, Ocean River Shields of Achilles, with your host, Dr. Rob Moyer. Find out what others are doing and what you can do to create a greener and blue planet Earth. Now, here's Dr. Rob Moyer. Welcome. Today, we're talking about Jamaica Bay off of New York, or in New York, and my guest is Lauren Cosgrove. And Lauren works for the National Parks Conservation Association, and that's kind of the nonprofit advocacy voice for our, our national parks. Uh, it's a separate independent 51C3 so that um, the national parks can have champions for them in Washington and, and all over the place. Um, and Lauren is specifically working on the Jamaica Bay Advocates, and so that's going to be the focus of today's program primarily is how the... Jamaica Bay advocates are campaigning. Um, well, that's their campaign, I guess. <laughs> and, they're, and she's also the, North Re- the Northeast Regional Office of the National Parks Conservation Association, which is based in Manhattan. Hello, Lauren. Hi, Rob. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm up here in Harvard Square. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from the Northeast Regional Office, which is right here in Manhattan. Uh, we're on Park Ave and 41st, right across from Grand Central. Okay, are you high up in the building? Um, we are on the 14th floor, and it's Holy sunny God. out, but pretty pretty foggy. Sunny, but, but hazy. I'm we feeling it's humid out floor. there. What about the humidity? What'd you say? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. It's humid out there, so oh, it is we're, we're sitting, we're sitting in our nice AC right now. <laughs> oh, nice. I think you get the, the weather a day before we do here in Boston or Cambridge, uh, because yeah. yesterday was humid, and today is we're getting a little respite from the humidity, and then it's going to crank up again. Um, but um, it was great to see you in Washington. Uh, for the listeners, uh, Lauren and I met uh, in Washington for a summit meeting of the Great Waters Coalition. So people representing different great waters uh, gathered in Washington, D.C. I was representing the Gulf of Maine, and there was someone there from the Mississippi and from the Colorado and Ohio. Um, I guess we had like 14 or 15 different major watersheds, wouldn't you say? Yeah, that's right, Rob. Uh, we had folks from all over the country, even coming from Texas and and the northwest corner of our country. And and I was there representing um, the Jamaica Bay agenda for the New York New Jersey Harbor Coalition, which is a group of over sixty advocacy organizations that are focused on uh, transforming the tri-state area's waterways 
to a world-class harbor estuary. And so um, myself and, and NPCA were a member of the New York, New Jersey Harbor Coalition, and I'm working here on the Jamaica Bay Advocates Initiative there, and so that's why I attended and I was reporting out on, on our Jamaica Bay agenda. It was a great, great conference, and I was fortunate to, to see you and to meet a lot of new folks out there. So that was a great trip. Yeah, it really was. It's especially good to meet people who are focused right down on specific areas, like your situation between uh, three, the three states that the Bay are. What are the three states? Right. So um, Jamaica Bay is actually one uh, part of Gateway National Recreation Area. Gateway is a national park, and it has three different sites. So Jamaica Bay is located in southern Queens and southern Brooklyn, about an hour out of Manhattan. There's also sites, um, Fort Wadsworth, which is in Staten Island, right across the Verrazano Bridge. And the third site of Gateway is Sandy Hook, which is in Monmouth County, New Jersey. Wow. So Gateway National Park is a real urban park that covers significant pieces of, uh, well, Staten Island and Brooklyn and, and South Queens, I guess. Yeah, that's right. It has, it has three sections, and, and together, all of those three units make up Gateway. So it, it makes for an interesting um, complex of, of, of management there, and, and each unit has its own issues and has its own uh, programs and, and park rangers, and they do their best to communicate amongst the three of them, but they're really, they're really all different in their own way. And, and when you visit them, you, you sort of learn what's special about each site. So it's cool. It's cool. I like Jamaica Bay. Um, I've probably spent my, the most amount of time in Jamaica Bay. And, and again, that's in southern Brooklyn and southern Queens, um, accessible off the subway, which is just remarkable to me that you can get to a national park from the New York Transit line. Um, and so it cool. has... Yeah, it has a lot of different ecosystems, too. It's got beachfront, you know, from the Atlantic Ocean along the Rockaway Peninsula, and then the bay itself, which is an inlet that um, sort of surrounds Coney Island and, and Marine Park in southern Brooklyn there. And Jamaica Bay is, is old. It, it was inducted into the National Park System in 72, and it has um, it was New York's first municipal airport. So before it was a national park, famous people like um, Amelia Earhart and Wiley Post, they flew out of Floyd Bennett Field, which is in Jamaica Bay. And so it preserves a lot of history along with uh, great habitats and ecosystems there. So it's a really unique park, again, accessible from Manhattan, which is just totally abstract to me and, and why I keep such a, a close place in my heart for Jamaica Bay. That is fabulous. The way the gateway was located right inside of the, you know, outer New York and New Jersey Harbor. Uh, created in 1972, gateway was a real inspiration for the creation up here of the Boston Harbor Island National Park, which was created in 96. But we're also located right next to uh, Logan Airport. Technically, the airport's not in the park, but uh, literally, you know, <laughs> you're skirting the airport and uh, with many islands. And over on um, uh, Quincy side, there's also an airfield that Amelia Earhart used as well. So there's great camaraderie between, yeah, between Boston Harbor Island National Park and Gateway National Park, both being 
urban waterfront parks. And uh, so we've learned a lot from you guys. You guys are way ahead of the curve, but we're, we're catching up here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of similarities between these parks. Um, we have one of the, the um, I think he's a, a park ranger, actually, a seasonal park ranger out on the Boston Harbor Islands who's a member of our um, Next Generation Council. So we do collaborate a lot with that park, and, and there are a lot of similarities there. So that's cool. I'm glad you made that connection. Yeah, we have Fort George, which is uh, out on the island, and that's where Mason and Seidel were, stu- were captured and, and put there. They were the... Uh, Confederate spies that were caught, were taken off of a boat going to England and, and locked up on St. George's, on George's Island there. And we think that the, uh, the English didn't come in, come to war against the Union because the, uh, the ambassadors were fed lobsters at, at George's Island. And I understand you have an old Fort Wadsworth out there. Yeah, that's right. So Fort Fort Wadsworth is in Staten Island, and it's right underneath the Verrazano Bridge. And there's actually three forts within Gateway. That's Fort Tilden in Jamaica Bay, Fort Wadsworth in Staten Island, and Fort Hancock that's in New Jersey. And those forts essentially protected the entire New York, New Jersey harbor uh, during World War II when, when most of... Um, our country's economic um, import came from the harbor, and, and not many people were using planes. And so during World War II, a lot of our threats, we were nervous that uh, the Germans were going to come over in submarines. And so these three forts really protected the quote-unquote gateway to um, America's economy at that time. And, and so these forts are now part of the service so that they are protected and you can go visit them. But Fort Wadsworth is particularly cool. You can, you can tour it and you can stand there and, and take amazing photos of the sunset with the Manhattan skyline in front of you and the Verrazano Bridge right above you to the left. And it's a really great shot. I encourage everybody to go out there and, and check it out and visit Gateway. It's a very old fort, I understand. Yeah, yes, it is. Fort Wadsworth. Um, so tell us more about Jamaica Bay. Or um, okay, sure. Uh, so, like, um, well, why is it? Why is it? Did you tell me why it's so special? So Jamaica Bay um, is actually a hot spot and and um, a key landing place along the Atlantic Flyway for many shorebirds. We've got over 300 species of birds. Um, wow. It was desi- yeah, it was designated a national wildlife refuge um, because of that, and and um, Audubon has designated it an important bird area also because of the, the abundance of species there. So Jamaica Bay is actually the only wildlife refuge that's managed by the National Park Service. They're usually mm-hmm. managed by the the um, wildlife, the National Wildlife Fisheries and Wildlife Service. So it's yep. the only one that's Department of the Interior. Um, it's the largest open space in all of New York City. Um, it's one of the most, the top ten most visited national parks in our country. We have, on average, about ten million visitors every year. Wow. And um, and there's an abundance of recreational opportunities at Gateway as well. So folks can come out and fish and swim and bike and hike, and they can even camp in Jamaica Bay. They can camp in Brooklyn. Oh, great. So you just you, you can make a reservation or you reserve a, or the first come, first serve, or how do you deal with that? 
Yeah, so there's um, public campgrounds on Floyd Bennett Field, as well as um, ranger-led camping programs. So um, I actually I started out in Jamaica Bay as an intern, as a student conservation association intern, and I was leading camping programs there. And that was um, an amazing experience. It really sort of um, helped me grow as a person because I was able to see how valuable urban parks are. And and the folks who were coming to our camping program had never slept outside before. They've never made a fire. They didn't know the difference between a tick and a ladybug, or, or they didn't know how to identify poison ivy, and they didn't know why you needed to put your trash away at night. But then when they saw a raccoon, they realized why you needed to put your trash away. So it was... It was um, a humbling experience and something that I'll probably never forget to see all of those kids come in and out that summer. Hundreds of people can camp in, in Jamaica Bay just throughout one summer. And it was an amazing experience. And that's really where I grew my love for urban spaces and urban parks. And I think that's why it's so important for us to come together and protect these spaces, um, which is which is really why I, I started working with NPCA. Um, they hired me on to lead an advocacy group to support Jamaica Bay. And, and there's a lot of different groups who are working there, and they're not always talking to each other. So our goal was to just get everyone who visits the park and loves it and, and grows this relationship with Jamaica Bay and, and get them to talk to each other. So convene them and sort of f- facilitate that conversation and start to learn from their experiences and to hear them and document them. And from there, we we understand how many people value this park and and we start to hear the concerns that these individuals have and a lot of times the concerns were were felt mutually throughout the group and so that's sort of where where the idea for Jamaica Bay advocates grew and and we've we've um have we now have a network of over 280 folks who visit the park and love this park and and want to use their voice to protect it from now into the future so so yeah, that's, wow. that's what we're doing. Yeah, it's how did, it's really how did powerful. You get from zero people to two hundred and some odd people. I mean, that's that's pretty amazing because you know it's it's such a different habitat than the rest than much of Manhattan and, and the other urban areas. How did you how did you build you know that many people? How did you have to come together? You didn't just I'm sure you didn't just go around saying come for a bird walk or something like that because that's not in their vocabulary. I would think. Yeah, it, it took a lot of time. So we've been developing this advocacy network for about nine months now. And when we started, we just um, went to the park, on the ground at the park, and we tried to figure out who was there, who was coming. So we talked to folks and said, you know, who are your most frequent visitors and, and what do they do there? And then we started to get names of organizations that host programs in the park or are located near the park who either go to the park right. often or or there's, you know, something blocking them from going to the park. And, and we tried to network with all of these different nonprofit organizations that are hosting programs there or want to host programs there. Sure. And we started to link them up with each other. We started to... to um, meet with this person and then share the information that we learned from that group with the next group that we met with. So we started out with organizations. Then um, then we, we got well, wait, to Wait, wait, wait. I want to back up a bit. So 
Sure. You and a couple other people went out to Jamaica Bay looking for who the users were, who the people using the park. And what right. did you find? Did you find fishermen or bike riders or what? What, what were some of your initial uh, sense of who the initial users are of Jamaica Bay? Yeah, that so... That went on to um, your thing. Paddlers was the first group. Paddlers. They're, yeah, paddlers. They're very passionate, and Jamaica Bay has a large paddler following. There's many groups around there. Um, they, what are they paddling? They weigh, um, canoes, kayaks, Voyager canoes, which hold eight to ten people. Wow. Yeah, all different, all sorts of things. So, so paddling groups was one. Um, yeah. School groups was another. There's a lot of school groups that come out there. Um, the the yeah. interpretation department, the park rangers host programs, and they're able to get in touch with a lot of schools, um, after school community groups. So so that summer camps and such were going there. Um, well, school groups is huge because we always hear about how schools have no budget and they never get outdoors, and so right. it's so good here that uh, at least at Jamaica Bay, some school groups are getting out into the field. That's that's big news for the rest of us. But I didn't yeah. interrupt you. The after school groups. Um, what were some other users you saw out there besides the paddlers and the school groups? Well, there's also um, a large uh, biking community in and around Jamaica Bay. Mm. So we we were able to find them because of the bike path that exists that loops around Jamaica Bay. So that's called the Jamaica Bay Greenway, and. That is um, a conceptual 19-mile bike path that loops around Jamaica Bay. And um, currently, 11 out of the 19 miles are constructed. And there's a coalition that exists that's called the Jamaica Bay Greenway Coalition. And they're members of, they're either local community members, residents that live around the park, or they're folks who are from organizations that support human-powered transportation, or they're, they're people from bike shops and, and biking groups like Bike East New York and, and Bike New York. And so they were meeting on a quarterly basis, we found out. And so MTCA yeah. sort of plugged into that and, and used them as our, as our community voice. You know, we asked them questions like, why do you love Jamaica Bay? And, and what do you want to see to happen to Jamaica Bay? And how can we get more people at the park? And how can we, how can we build awareness around the park? Because, Rob, one of the biggest problems that Jamaica Bay faces is just a lack of awareness. Although it is accessible off the subway, it's still about an hour away from Manhattan. So it's not one of it's not as easily accessible as say Central Park or or right. Battery Park. So But if you're a bike rider looking for a good ride, that's the place to go. And it Right. This fascinating exactly. about the three groups I have found with urban uh, parks that it's the bikers that are the best group to go with because they will Put, they'll put muscle behind their words and help you with trail maintenance and help you, you know, in ways that the school groups can't possibly do because they're busy with their education programs. And the paddlers tend to be focused on getting their boat into the, onto the car and back and forth and stuff. But um, I'm so thrilled that you got connected with these active, you know, trail users of bike people. You know, we have found in other places that, well, we don't think highly of bike people because they ride their bikes, and it's like, no, but the bike people tend to give more back in terms of organizing and trail maintenance and monitoring stuff than, than most other groups do. So this must have been a, a key group for you to get started with the advocacy group. Yeah, you are exactly right. They meet on, on a quarterly basis, so we're about to have our um, 
our second meeting of the year on Monday, July 13th, and it's at Floyd Bennett Field on Jamaica Bay, and we're going to be talking yeah. about um, some of the recent development that we've had with Jamaica Bay advocates, and we're also going to hear from New York City Department of Transportation about some of the new updates to to priority sites along the Greenway that need to be constructed still. That is so, super. yeah. Lauren, we're going to have to take a short break, and we'll be right back with Lauren Cosgrove to talk about Jamaica Bay. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Connecting local stewardship with global support, the Ocean River Institute is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work. We believe that many environmental issues can best be addressed by people taking action in their own communities and regions. It's not the large national entities, but the small, localized, or newly formed groups that often need help to achieve their goals. That's where the Ocean River Institute comes in. We maintain a network of eco-stewards and ORI partners, connecting them with resources and services to help them maximize their impact, expand their capacity, and weather unexpected setbacks. ORI actions and events offer opportunities to make a difference, to go the distance, and you can volunteer to be an ORI eco-steward. To discover more, visit us online at www.oceanriver.org. That's www.oceanriver.org. The Ocean River Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and science. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. To participate in today's discussion, you're welcome to call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You can also send an email to rob at oceanriver.org. Now, back to Dr. Rob Moyer. Hi, I'm talking with Lauren Cosgrove of the National Park Conservation Association, and specifically we're talking about Jamaica Bay inside of Gateway National Park. Lauren, how can people learn more about your work and the work of the Jamaica Bay Advocates? Well, um, you can learn more about Jamaica Bay Advocates by visiting our website, and that is www.npca.org slash J-B-A, and J-B-A stands for Jamaica Bay Advocates. Yay. So uh, to to risk repeating ourselves, you know, what's being done to better Jamaica Bay? Well, um, NPCA has had a longstanding relationship 
with Gateway and Jamaica Bay, but recently what we've done is we've sort of taken a grassroots approach to build community support to strengthen, protect, and restore this park for future generations to experience and enjoy. We're trying to build awareness around issues facing this park and in turn increase the funding for the park so that we can improve the visitor experience and address access issues and and promote recreational opportunities in the park to just try to get people to come out and, and recreate and enjoy this park. And we feel that if they come out and they experience the park firsthand, then they will be inspired to use their voice and speak up in their community and to the public about why this place is so amazing. Well, I'm really impressed, Lauren, about the way you went about it, that you and uh, assumably some colleagues, you know, went out and walked Jamaica Bay and, and bumped into people like boaters and birders and school groups and bikers, and, um, and people responded to you and started meeting with you, and you formed this, um, you know, this advocates group of, you know, and you were just saying that next week or soon you're going to meet as a group, and uh, I noticed on your website that, you know, you had a very effective uh, April meeting where, um, where you really worked with the advocates. So the advocates worked with each other to, you know, craft an elevator pitch and practice, you know, how are they going to present their messaging to the decision makers? Uh, tell us a little bit about that process or that event. Sure, yeah. So um, the Jamaica Bay Advocates, we wanted to give them an opportunity to to um, learn how to be an effective advocate in their community because without the proper tools, you're not going to be able to convey a compelling message to someone who's going to then be inspired to then get on your side and, and join the Jamaica Bay Advocates. So what we did was we facilitated an advocacy training workshop at the park at Jamaica Bay, and we had about 20 participants there at the training, and we call this training civic voice lessons, and that is we're trying to train our folks' civic voice so that they can go and talk to not only the neighbors and their friends and family members, but also local elected officials and, and local politicians, decision makers, people who have the power to to push forward legislation that can secure federal funds to make sure that there are long-term improvements happening at this park so that when events like Hurricane Sandy happen, we are able to come together and and speak with those folks who can restore the park back to its original state and, and to an improved state so that we can make sure that the visitors are constantly coming and having a great time. And when they come, that there's, there's park rangers to greet them and there's programming happening for them to participate in and, and there's recreational events happening there and places are open, open for them to come explore, to hike, it's it's very abstract for people to think that they can go to Brooklyn and Queens and, and hike up to the top and, and see Manhattan and the Atlantic Ocean all at the same time. So we're we're yeah. training folks to come together and, and craft an elevator pitch, which is a 30-second um, statement where you can shake someone's hand and say, this is why you should care about Jamaica Bay. And then after you have a 30-second pitch to them, say, I'd love to meet with you and, and talk to you further in your office, congressman, or in your office, city councilman, and hopefully, you know, with NPCA's leadership and, and effective government strategy, we are able to 
secure those meetings for our advocates and go with them and then sit down with our politicians and and convey the personal story about about how one advocate felt when she hiked up to the top of Battery Harris at Fort Tilden yep. for the first time and 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 saw the the flock of migrating birds um you know flying over the bay and and that this was in her own backyard but she had never seen it before just because she didn't even know it was there and so we're trying to to take our community members, those advocates' personal stories, bring them to their politicians, convey that story, and and ask those folks to support us and support specific projects on the ground that can make Jamaica Bay a better park. That's an enormous task you've undertaken. Everyone expects that, oh yeah, American citizens will speak up to government, but stranger than leaving the city to see the ocean is leaving the ocean to go talk to a politician. You know, it's like, that's the yeah. last thing that a fisherman or a boater or a biker, you know, they want to be out in the field. And, you know, the last thing they want to do is go in and talk to these people. And, and you empower them to do that by respecting, you know, what they've got to say about it and then helping them put their stories together in a way that, you know, makes sense to everyone else. Right. You're right, Rob. I mean, all they need is just a few tools in the toolkit, and, and they just need a little education, but, but the passion is there. They are the ones that come with the stories, and they show up to the workshop because they want to be there. They just right. need a little, a little training from NPCA, which, which you know, we've, we've sort of trademarked in the Civic Voice Lessons training, and, and with that That's training, great. we're able to mobilize our, our advocates and secure these meetings and... And, and talk about about the projects in Jamaica Bay. So so you might be saying, okay, so what are you actually advocating for? What are these advocates going to go to the congressman and talk about? Well, okay, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> Tell me, yeah. Well, um, Hurricane Sandy had, had devastating effects on the park, and, and the storm damage there was enormous. And so it had... Um, it, it had it had to make the park close for for months and and even years so you know the beachfront property got washed away and and the oh bathhouses yeah the bathhouses are closed still to this day so when you go to the the beach there's only one working bath bathroom and it's all the way down at the end and so what we're trying to do is we're trying to to um get our, our politicians and our um, the park service together to to reopen that bathhouse so that beachgoers have a place to get changed and buy a bottle of water and and have an enjoyable beach experience when they come back and like that hurricane sandy also damaged other parts of the park so that is um pristine critical freshwater habitat within the bay um the west mm. pond which is located within the jamaica bay wildlife refuge that pond was breached because of the storm surge from hurricane sandy and and as many of you know i'm sure freshwater habitat is so vital in a salt marsh ecosystem and it was um, a nesting ground and feeding ground for many many migrating birds and and um yeah they all come there at high tide they all move up onto the freshwater ponds at high tide and then right. leave it for the low tide to go down in the muddy flats and stuff. So they got to have a loafing place during high water. And, um, and suddenly West Pond has turned into salty water. Is that what happened? Exactly. Yes, you're right. And, and um, just to make matters a little bit more involved, there used to be a loop trail that was all the way around West Pond. And with that breach, the loop trail broke and so you can no longer walk the whole loop you either walk one way in and out 
where you walk the long way and then you turn around and walk the long way out. And so that's just another example of another place in the park that Hurricane Sandy really had devastating effects too. And, and we want our advocates to come and, and use their voice to try to move those uh, construction projects up on the priority list and make them happen now rather than later. This is why we need a National Park Conservation Association is because you guys can go to Congress and rally and call for funding of National Park Service programs. The NPS people are prohibited from doing that because they work for government. So it takes articulate friends groups and, the, you know, like Jamaica Bay advocates to bring it all home. So bravo. And, you know, um, so there's a number of things they're doing, and that's appropriate because uh, the Park Service will have their own system of prioritizing, but if there isn't a clarion call from citizens to do so, uh, that they won't be able to move at all. And so is there any hope of, um, of either the, uh, the, what is it, the Rias Bathhouse or the West Pond Habitat of getting some funding? Yeah, so um, they have had, the National Park Service has hosted public comment sessions for both the West Pond reconstruction and the Reese Bathhouse uh, restoration. And so those public comment sessions have closed now and and they're in um, the revisioning process where they're going to mm-hmm. produce, um, you know, a, a firm plan out of option A, B, or C for what's going to happen. And um, the National Parks Conservation Association would support um, any sort of restoration plan at the West Pond or the Reese Bathhouse as long as those sites become open to the public and soon. Right. And so we're bringing our advocates actually to a meeting on Monday, next Monday, July 13th, with Congressman Hakeem Jeffries. And he has District 8 of New York, which um, has much of the region of Jamaica Bay, a lot of the waters and salt marsh habitat, along with the surrounding communities, such as Canarsie Pier, Howard Beach, Marine Park, Coney Island, etc. And so we're bringing about six to seven advocates with us on Monday so that they can sit down and, and share these personal stories and, and tell him about the Reese Bathhouse and why it's important and why we need to open it and tell them why the West Pond was so vital for science classes to come and and do experiments and why birders love it to come with their binoculars and check out the migrating uh, flocks of birds, you know, along the Atlantic shoreline. Like I said, this is one of the top 10 most visited national parks in the entire country. And so we have folks coming from all over the the world to check out these birds on the Atlantic flyway. And so and so all of these all of these items, the Reese Bathhouse, West Pond and improved transportation, closing the Jamaica Bay Greenway bike path around the park so that local visitors along with national visitors can come and continue to enjoy the park. So so Rob, wish us luck on Monday when we have our meeting with Congressman Jeffries and and we're finalizing talking points now and We've brought uh, seven of our most stellar advocates with us who actually graduated from the Civic Voice Lessons Workshop. Oh, and so, great. Yeah, we're really, we're really excited. We're sort of upping the ante with our advocates, and every time we engage a new advocate, you know, we present to them new opportunities, and, and every time they come to one of our events, we're, we're building relationships with these folks, and, and we're giving them skills in return that they'll be able to use in a professional setting, in a social setting, you know, if they go to apply for a job or if they go to to 
um, take on a new career or a new um, degree at school. We're really trying to help them with their communication skills and, and social networking and, and all of this through advocacy work for our national parks, which is in celebration of the centennial. I don't know if, I'm sure you're aware. Wait, 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 I don't, go, I don't want to go there just yet, but so you're really uh-huh. pushing civic lessons. You're helping people become better civic citizens in the right. democracy that we have here. And right. are the advocates mostly young people or is it a mix or are they old birders like me or, or what kind of people are the advocates? Well, uh, Rob, we're targeting uh, what we call the millennial generation. So that is folks, young folks, who are between the ages of 16 and, and 35. And oh, we great. found that, yeah. that that's our target because most of the people who are coming to Gateway right now are either young children who are uh, participating in field trips or, or summer camps and school groups, or they are um, or they are adults who have some free time who may be retired and are, are enjoying a bird walk or a bike ride or, or swim in the ocean. And we really want to help close that gap in park visitorship and make sure that we're giving the millennial generation, those young adults, an opportunity and a reason to come out to the park. And so, yeah, most of our advocates are, are younger, but needless to say, we don't, we don't turn anyone away. If you love the park, we want you, we want you on board. We want you part of, part of our group. Yeah. Uh, it's good to have those two generations represented, you know, before the, the congressman or whoever, you know, to have the young people plus a couple of old bogeys like me. You know. <laughs> 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 they, they speak to, you know, because um, they show the diversity of the people interested in the park, and that's, that's crucial that you've got, you know, great diversity. Um, and I'm sure you'll find more family groups give it time and stuff where you get that. Right. Middle, that, that pe- the age group in the middle are usually have kids attached to them, and, and that's, you know, dads are also looking for ways to look good with their kids, and, and National Parks is one of the best, most assured way, you know, zoos and aquarium, and, and that, but mostly outdoor experiences, you know. Uh, the problem with um, zoos and aquariums is the kid's going to ask you what that is, and you don't know, you have to go read the label and put your reading glasses on or something. But, you know, out in the park, you can just have a great time with your kids. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you, you nailed it right on the head. I think family activities in the parks is where we get the most attendance. Um, so besides hosting civic voice lessons, which is an advocacy training workshop, we also have hosted many events at the park, which are recreation-based. So that is, uh, we've hosted bike rides and and um, airplane-making sessions and, and a lesson about the aviation history at Floyd Bennett Field. We've had paddling events where we invite veterans and their families to come out, and and that's really who are attending our yeah. events. So when we host a paddling event or a bike ride, it's the, it's adults and their children, it's families who are coming out, and that's who's using the park, and that's great. We want to continue. Tell me about tell me about the airplane making because I wanted to have Estes rocketry over you know George's Island and Boston Harbor Island National <laughs> Park. Everybody looked at me crazy, but it's like no, Estes rockets are cool, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. so the airplane making in, in, uh, in relation to Amelia Earhart, or just uh, tell me about it. Well, actually, um, we, we partnered with um, Millennium Development, which is a, a youth programming group that um, takes school groups and school kids and, and summer camps to the park. They go to J- Jamaica Bay and Gateway quite frequently. And so they had an event which they call Spring Fling. I think it was their fourth annual Spring Fling at Floyd Bennett Field. Oh, great. 
and they invited NPCA to be a part of this event. And so we tried to think of how can we incorporate the aviation history that that happened here that took place at Floyd Bennett Field and interpret that story to be appealing to a young child and to to school groups. And so... What we did was we ordered, um, it was very low cost on our end, we ordered uh, books online that were uh, modeled airplanes, you know, like you can make a, a model airplane out of out of cardboard and, and out of paper. Yeah. And so we, we ordered these books, and there was over 350 students who came to this event, and each and every single one of them was able to make an airplane and 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 paint it and color it and, and personalize it. And then afterwards... Um, they came. They came to the other side of Floyd Bennett Field, the Rhine Visitor Center, where there's a sort of aviation museum in the back room. And we played a 30 second film clip, and and I was dressed up as Amelia Earhart, and I had them stand in front of, I had them stand in front of the window, and and I said, now hold up your planes and imagine you just flew across the entire Atlantic Ocean and you were the first person to do that ever in the entire world and you made it. You made the whole trek and then you landed right on this runway. They were looking at the runway where Amelia Earhart landed and and they all landed their paper airplanes in the air on the runways and, and I tried to just take them through what it was like to to be a part of that history and, and then you know, we went through the next room and I talked about World War Two and how how the watchtower on top was used to make sure that there was no no um you know, other countries coming by land or by, by air, by sea and and so we really did our best to capture the history that that is that should be told. You sure did. Yeah, you made it real. Hands on, yeah. they experienced the airplane, they held the airplane they, you know, got the vertigo sailing over the airplane. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's fantastic. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk some more. And uh, one thing coming up is, um, um, oh, I forgot. Here it is. I'll have to get my notes together. So come back and listen to what we're going to talk about next. Thank you. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Connecting local stewardship with global support, the Ocean River Institute is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work. We believe that many environmental issues can best be addressed by people taking action in their own communities and regions. It's not the large national entities, but the small, localized, or newly formed groups that often need help to achieve their goals. That's where the Ocean River Institute comes in. We maintain a network of eco-stewards and ORI partners, connecting them with resources and services to help them maximize their impact, expand their capacity, and weather unexpected setbacks. ORI Actions and Events offer opportunities to make a difference, to go the distance, and you can volunteer to be an ORI eco-steward. To discover more, visit us online at www.oceanriver.org. That's www.oceanriver.org. The Ocean River Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and science. 
get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. To participate in today's discussion, you're welcome to call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You can also send an email to rob at oceanriver.org. Now, back to Dr. Rob Moyer. Hi, we're back, and we're talking about Jamaica Bay with Lauren Cosgrove. And Lauren and I had the good fortune of meeting in Washington about a month ago of the Great Waters Coalition. And Lauren, when we were walking the hill and we were in Washington, there was this kind of hubbub about that the 2016 is going to be the National Park Centennial. And uh, everyone was saying, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? So what do you think is is happening with uh, Jamaica Bay for the... um, Centennial. Well, um, Rob, you're right. So the national parks are celebrating their 100th birthday next year, and so um, to celebrate this this monumental birthday for what's quoted as America's best idea, NPCA, the National Parks Conservation Association, has launched what we call the Find Your Voice Initiative. And that is an initiative to help inspire people to advocate for America's favorite places. And the idea is, together, people across the country will be able to speak out about critical issues affecting our parks and take action to protect them. So what we've done here in New York is we've established the Jamaica Bay Advocates Network, and that is a network of people who who come together to do just that, take action to protect and enhance Jamaica Bay, which is one site of Gateway National Recreation Area, a national park right here in Brooklyn, Queens. And so the Jamaica Bay Advocates are, are hosting advocacy trainings and workshops to teach people how they can they can use their voice to make this park a better place. We're also under the Find Your Voice campaign and with Jamaica Bay Advocate volunteers hosting events at the park for for new and young audiences, for for school groups and for avid paddlers, for veterans groups and their families. And we're trying to create opportunities for new people who have never been to this park before to be invited to this place to recreate and grow a long-lasting relationship with this park. And so through the Find Your Voice initiative, the National Parks Conservation Association is encouraging people to become advocates so that they can protect, connect, and restore our parks well through the second century. So so uh, the centennial, the birthday, is 2016, and, and I'm sure there will be a, a big centennial celebration at Jamaica Bay, but we're currently in the pr- planning processes for that event. We encourage you to stay tuned, and the best way for you to do that is to log on to our website. That is www.npca.org slash JBA, and JBA stands for Jamaica Bay Advocates. So log on to our website, and if you click Act Now and click T 
Team JBA. That's where you can give us your email address and name, and we'll be able to get in contact with you. You'll be signed up for our newsletter, where we'll show you, we'll give you updates about um, about our meeting next week with Congressman Jeffries and how how our advocates are talking to him about about improvements to the park. And we'll also we'll shoot you emails about events happening at the park. So if you want to come for a for an ocean swim race, or if you want to come for for a volunteer planting day, whatever whatever you're into, I'm sure there's an opportunity out there at the park for you. There's so many things going on, and we just want to be that that hub of information. We want to be that home base that you can come to to find out what's going on at Jamaica Bay, and 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 we hope you join us. We've got 280 folks on board so far, and and we only want to grow from here. So. If you're ever in New York, please visit us. We're we're right off the A train. Just take the A train all the way down to Beach 116th Street, and you'll go over the bridge, and you'll be able to see Jamaica Bay right at the sunset. It's quite a sight. It's quite a sight, Rob. I encourage you to come down and come visit us. And it's a free park. They don't charge admissions. It's a beautiful park. You're right. It's beautiful. Oh, it's beautiful. That'd be wonderful. Um and I hear that you just covered a ton of material in very little time, very, very effectively. So let me stray a bit. And uh, what kinds of wildlife? You were, you were telling me earlier about marine life that has washed up or been seen from the Gateway Park. Yeah, so actually a, a, about a year ago, we had a whale come through the ocean and and. Um, into the bay, and unfortunately, it, it washed up on the bay. But we've got whale. There's there's dolphins in the water. There's um, skates, which are the cousin of a stingray. Um, you know, there's many different species of birds and and reptiles and amphibians there. Um, we've got a lot of active crews out there, crews uh, working with the Student Conservation Association under the leadership of, of National Park Service rangers, and they're doing a lot of hard work out there to to plant native gardens, and, and in those gardens they're doing... They're planting um, milkweed and and other pollinator species so that we can make sure that the monarch butterfly stays stays prolific out there and and make sure that their populations don't decline and that we're doing everything that we can in our power to to make sure that they stay at Jamaica Bay and and so we've got a pollinator garden growing out there. Um, likewise, we have we have vegetable gardens out there. There's a community garden in two locations at Jamaica Bay. Um, community food gardens at Fort Tilden and on Floyd Bennett Field. So there's there's 200 and, uh, excuse me there's 300 plots and about 250 families have have gardens out there and they're growing an abundance of lettuce, tomatoes, cucumbers, squash. It's really incredible. They have too much and they ha- have to end up composting some of the vegetables that they grow out there because they just can't eat it fast enough. Oh my how much goodness. It yeah. Yeah, they've been out there for a while and they're composting a lot. They've got about a foot and a half of compost in the ground because without their compost, it'd be very sandy soils because of the ecosystem yeah. that it exists. So they've been composting for quite a number of years now and, and the families out there love it and there's quite a long waiting list to, to have a plot out there. It's a treasured spot and everything you think of Jamaica Bay really offers it. There's, there's, um, you know, there's, there's history, there's food, there's wildlife, there's, there's beachfront. You know, if you have a boat and you love to go fishing, there's fishing. I've seen people, um, 
uh, catching, uh, what's it called? Uh, tripe? Is it tripe? The, the big, uh, flat, skinny ones, they, they stand off on the jetty and they catch, they catch, uh, 30. Yeah. Yeah. And flounder and, and, uh, wow. Right. Yep. And, and, and sand sharks. And, and sand sharks. Yeah. But you were saying that's the most prevalent shark is sand sharks. Yeah. Sand sharks. There's jellyfish and, and no man of wars. We, we heard that article came out, uh, Fire Island. There was, there was a man of war. We don't have any of those. <laughs> but, no, the um, man of war are hot water, um, a kind of a colonial jelly and, and they, so you need a, a patch of the hot water breaking off from the Gulf Stream and drifting up to Fire Island, and that's a rare occurrence. So you can go to Jamaica Bay and not worry about encountering those guys. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> so go in the water. It's pretty safe because uh, it is safe, so yes. I'm, I'm also excited. There's, there's um, an event in the works right now for August 9th. It's, it's an ocean swim race. So this is a race in the ocean that used to happen many years ago and and they're sort of bringing it back and um they're going to be racing in the water swimming from um reese reese bathhouse so the uh jacob reese park all the way down to fort tilden and and it's quite a stretch and i think it's going to be exciting they're going to be giving out water and towels and they'll have someone standing on the ocean with a megaphone you know announcing the winners and it's, they've got some exciting stuff. I encourage you to, to check out our website, and we have a, a very extensive events calendar. So like I was saying, no matter what you're into, volunteer events or recreational, you want to come for a hike, anything you want to do, there's an opportunity here for you at Jamaica Bay, and you should, you should check out our, our website and see our events calendar. Also for the yes, follow-up. Yes, the website? One last time. Yeah, the website, www.com. Yes npca.org slash jba all lowercase npca.org slash jba and you can go to our events calendar and and see all the national park service events there they host they host free public paddling events and they have birding hikes and nature walks and and there's beach cleanup so if you want to come and clean up the beach you can do that um, there's many different groups that are active out there. The Rockaway Waterfront Alliance and the Rockaway Artist Alliance. So if you're an artist and you want to come and paint, they've got painting classes. Um, they have guitar lessons. They really have it all. That is all. My goodness. Yeah. Lauren, we've shot through our time in no time, and it's been a real pleasure talking with you about uh, Jamaica Bay, the advocate, Jamaica Bay Advocates, and also... Uh, Gateway National Park, and particularly the work, the really important advocacy work being done by the National Parks Conservation Association. Um, you know, Lawrence put the website out there. It's pretty straightforward. And I urge you, if you have any interest in any national park, to join with the National Park Conservation Association because they are the friends group that really make the difference um, speaking up for the parks in, in Congress and wherever the power is and for fundraising. Lauren, thanks a lot for talking with us. No, thank you, Rob. I, I, I've had a great time talking to you and, and look forward to the next time seeing you in Washington. Yeah, if not in Jamaica Bay before then, because I, I can't All wait right. to them and walk the shore and, and check everything out and see the salt water getting taken out of that west pond and so forth. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so thank you, Lauren. Thank you, Rob. Take care.
And thank you all for listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. Until next time, please be safe, and let's all work together for a healthy ocean. Thanks again for joining us this week on Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. Please tune in for more with Dr. Rob Moyer next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk again then. Yeah.